What is up, guys? Welcome back to Fit Body Secrets, where my mission is to bring you guys inspiration, motivation, and a ton of tips to help you guys on your fitness journey. And I'm actually like super ahead of my week this week because I actually started some of my check-ins on Sunday. Um, I just find that what I've been liking is kind of being in like a flow state when I'm working. Uh, something that I learned about myself a long time ago is that I work best on my own schedule. That I'm, that's when I'm going to give my best productivity and honestly be the be most present. Um, and it's been super nice for me to be able to kind of do that. My, my clients are super dialed in on getting their check-in information over to me on time. So it makes it easy for me to kind of do that. And I love it. So feeling ahead of my schedule this week. And I'm like, you know what? I want a podcast today, uh, because I made an Instagram, uh, carousel yesterday and it really got me thinking it's been a while since I talked about the metabolism and definitely want to dive in a little bit about that, especially because in my recent, uh, a few of my newer clients have come to me in that perimenopausal state or just postmenopausal. And they're, you know, obviously complaint is like, man, it's like been so hard for me to keep the weight off. And I definitely want to talk about that aspect of things, but obviously just the metabolism and in general. But before we dive into that, I'm going to take a sip of my bubbly here. And I got to tell you this, um, orange creamsicle seltzer is really good. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the master's fitness collective. Um, the qualifiers for the Masters Fitness Collective were just released on uh, Saturday. So if you are following CrossFit, um, wanted to kind of give you my thoughts on them. I am actually going to do the qualifiers because uh, I am four and a half-ish months post-surgery. And it looks like all of the workouts are something that I can actually participate in. So I'm happy to give it a shot. I may not be at my best, but I am going to do what I can. Uh, so let's just kind of start by rolling into those first, and then we'll start to talk a little bit about the metabolism and all that kinds of stuff. So if you're not into CrossFit and you're watching the rewind of there, the, re the rerun of this, you can go ahead and fast forward a little bit. But I am going to talk about what I am passionate about, and I know a lot of my followers are also passionate about. So let's get rolling into the first workout. Uh, the first workout, and I haven't actually watched the video standards, it is a 12-minute AMRAP of one burpee box jump over, two tota bars three burpee box jump over, four tota bars, five burpee box jump over, six tota bar, seven, eight, continuing on like that. So initial thoughts, this is a very hip flexor dominant uh, workout. This is going to definitely tax those hip flexors. So those of you guys that have ever done the combination of box jump and toes to bar, uh, if you're doing high rep toes to bar and then you go into the box jump, you can feel a little woo on that first rep. So um, my initial thoughts on this workout, I like it as a test. It's simple. It's, it's really just testing that, that ability to be able to stay it's, it's hip flexion the entire time. Um, what I honestly don't love about this workout is the rep scheme. I think that the rep scheme is going to get a little bit confusing for those of us that are doing it, um, and are trying to like do it on our own with, uh, you know, without having somebody like telling us where we're at, because, because the, the reps don't really make sense in the progression. Like I get it, the toaster bar going up by twos and the box jumps are going up by the, the odd numbers. So I guess you can just kind of go one, two, three, four. Um, but I think it would have been a little bit better just being either like, you know, double the number of toaster bar, um, you know, or something along those lines. Uh, aside from that, I think it's a good workout. So I guess that's how I'm going to approach it to keep myself mentally uh, in check in terms of what rep I'm on is like, one burpee box jump over, two tota bar, three burpee box jump over, four toes over. I'm, I'm just going to remember that I'm always going up by one rep. Um, in terms of what I think we're going to see on this one, I honestly don't know the caliber of athletes that are registered for this. Uh, 12 minutes is a long time. Um, 
So, I mean, I think realistically, if you're looking at this, like if you're doing, uh, if you are just doing burpee box jump overs, I think that somewhere in that 12 to 15 per minute is ideal. So, um, I mean, you know, I think we're probably going to see some people at what's nine, 16, 21, 24, 48. So, man, I'm thinking we're probably going to see people getting into the 21 burpee box jump overs. That's kind of my thoughts here is somewhere in that, in that realm of things. I could be off, uh, but that's kind of what my initial thoughts are is maybe getting into that round of 21 is maybe the goal. Um, definitely going to be a lot of burpee box jump overs, the toast bar. I would like to see more toast bar. I think it would have been better if it was like, and, you know, another way this workout could have been cool is if it was the burpee box jump overs go up, but the toe bar stays like the same number of reps or something along those lines, or the toast of bar go up, but the burpee box jump over stays at the same number of reps. I think that could have been a similar test. Uh, I may be just changing the stimulus a little bit because uh, I definitely think that considerably the amount of toast of bar we're doing in correlation to the amount of burpee box jump overs, the toast of bar should be a little bit bigger in my opinion. So initial thoughts on that one. Um, I'll let you know later on how it goes. I'm going to do that one today. Workout number two. Um, and these, I, I believe that the way they're doing this is that the first two workouts are due by the 14th and then the other two are due by the 18th or the 19th. Have to look at that again. Uh, yeah, 14th and then the 19th. So uh, a little bit more of a, well, I guess not really because they released them on Saturday, but for me, this is like the day that I'm starting. So you get about three or four days to do each of the workouts or two of the workouts. All right. So second workout we've got is for max reps. Uh, we're doing 30 seconds of ground to overhead, rest 30 seconds, followed by 30 seconds, 60 seconds of ground to overhead, a little heavier, 90 seconds, a little heavier, and then 120 seconds, a little heavier. So it looks like you have uh, the choice of performing a snatch or a clean and jerk because it does allow you to do um, ground overhead. So that would mean either one. So I think whatever is your faster lift, obviously in those lighter weights, you're probably going to be doing snatches. And then as it gets heavier, probably switching to clean and jerks. If you were uh, obviously not wanting to do the 125 pound snatches, it says on the last barbell, athletes may choose to seize performing ground to overhead movements and instead perform bar facing burpees. Athletes with the same number of ground to overhead reps will be ranked based on the number of bar facing burpees performed. Huh? I'm confused. So if you do like that, wouldn't make any sense, right? Like if you're, I'm kind of confused in that one because it's like, all right, why would you stop doing ground to overhead? If you don't know what anybody else is going to get in terms of reps, because let's just say you do 10 ground to overhead and you do bar facing burpees. I, I'm kind of a little bit confused about this one. Athletes with the same number of ground to overhead will. So if the bar facing burpees count as the same, if bar facing, if your bar facing burpees are going to give you the same score as the ground to overhead, I guess you're choosing, would you rather, you know, get more cardio in or do the lifting. That's the way I'm reading it, but that really doesn't make any sense. Like why wouldn't they just make it? You have to do the ground to overhead. I don't really understand the bar facing burpee thing. Um, unless the bar facing burpees count for less reps is what I would, I guess I need to see the score sheet. Uh, let me see if they have the score sheet up here. They don't. I will have to watch the video for that one because that doesn't really make much sense to me in my opinion. 
All right. So workout number three. Um, all right. We've got four minutes for six to so four sets. We're going to start with a 500 meter row. And then we've got 25 wall balls, max rep squat snatches. Ooh, this is going to be a leg crusher. So obviously on this one, I, you're going to, you know, I don't even think you get rest between them. So you're probably starting right back at the rower. It looks like at the four minute mark. So yeah, this is going to be a leg smasher. I think this one's going to come down to smart pacing on the row. Um, hopefully you're going to be hitting those wall balls unbroken and trying to figure out, uh, what you can do on those snatches. Or if you know that you're going to really blow up on the wall balls, maybe you are breaking them down and really, because your rounds are going to be based on your snatches. It's kind of like you can approach this one of two ways, pace it and then crush the snatches or, you know, kind of work pretty fast and try and stay consistent. Um, I think this one would have been better if there was a rest built in between the rounds. I think it's kind of like not having any rest built in. It doesn't really, I think it's going to dilute the intensity of the squat snatches. I think it would have been a lot cooler if they had done like a three minute window and uh, or even a four minute window would have been fine. And then just put like one minute of rest, just like as a reset. Um, I think we would have seen a little bit more push on the squat snatches, but I guess we'll see. Um, that's the next one. And then the last one we have, let's see. Uh, here we go. Workout number 24. Uh, we've got, um, an AMRAP for 10 minutes of 30 wall balls. I'm sorry, 30 double unders, 20 pull-ups, 10 dumbbell box step overs and five wall walks. So another AMRAP, um, double unders, irrelevant pull-ups, irrelevant, this one is just kind of go. There's nothing, I'm going to be honest, there's nothing that should stop anybody in this one. Um, I think this one would have been a little bit better with a little bit more double unders. The The work doesn't look very even from, you know, you're doing 30 double unders as a buy-in to, that's going to take you 20 seconds. And then it's going to be a round of, you know, probably two minutes for the rest of that stuff. So I think that it would have been better having a larger number of double unders per round, um, personally. Uh, I think the 30 double unders are irrelevant. It's it's the pull-ups and the wall walks, you know. So um, overall, I mean, I think that they're okay. They're decent workouts. Like I said, I can do all of them. Um, this workout could have been a little bit better with chest bar pull-ups, I think. Um, I think the wall walks are fine. Dumbbell box stepovers, eh, fine. Uh, so overall, I think they're okay. I mean, no max lifts, nothing crazy. Um, just looks like classic CrossFit. So I guess I'll give you guys uh, my thoughts after I do them. But uh, initially, I mean, my main criticism is like, I think that the workout with the row would be better with the rest built in. Um, and I think the rep schemes are a little bit off just on like the, the box jump over toe to bar one. I think the toes to bar should be a little bit higher reps. And on this one, I think the double R should be a little bit higher reps. That's just my opinion. So that's my thoughts on the Masters Fitness Collective. So if you are doing it, get after it today, have some fun. Um, but let's talk a little bit. Well, does anybody have a comment on that? Good morning, Kenneth. Um, so today I want to talk to you guys going into nutrition stuff now is I want to talk to you guys about metabolism. Uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit about hormones, metabolism, but not our menopause, but not a whole bunch on that. Uh, but just really understand getting us a better understanding of like the metabolism, because I think one of the biggest things people complain about is I can't lose weight because I have a sluggish metabolism, or I just can't figure out why my metabolism isn't working the way that it used to anymore. 
Uh, and there's a lot of things that people tend to think are factoring into that age, hormones, whatever, you know, so uh, even sleep, people are like, oh, does sleep impact my metabolism? Well, yes, it kind of does. Uh, but we're going to kind of talk about all that kind of stuff today. And I'm going to also just kind of walk through the slides that I put on my Instagram carousel yesterday, because I think it'd be a really good idea for me just to break that down a little bit more. And honestly, Instagram is instant. So I don't get a whole bunch of time to talk to you guys about it. So first and foremost, what I want you guys to understand is the metabolism is essentially your body's internal barometer. And what it's going to do is it's taking the energy you take in and it's going to break it down into usable energy in your body. It also breaks down fats into fatty acids and proteins into amino acids. And like I mentioned, carbohydrates into glycogen. So we want to break that. We're breaking that energy down, sending it where our body needs it. And then whatever energy is left over gets stored in our body as glycogen or as uh, fat in our fat cells. And if we don't ever utilize that, uh, we end up actually storing body fat. That's how we gain weight. So when it comes to our energy needs, everybody has a very unique energy needs. A lot of people can go online, go online, and they find an online calculator. And it's like, what's your age? What's your height? What's your weight? Do you know your body fat percentage? And it's going to ask you how active you are. And it's going to give you a number, your BMR and your TDEE. And you're like, okay, that makes sense. Now I'm going to go eat these calories. Uh, but there's some other factors that can make those numbers not as relevant as some other things that you guys should be looking at, like how much food are you currently taking in and what other factors might be affecting those things. Like how is your thyroid function and your hormone function? That could also play a factor into um, if you are seeing a little bit of a decrease in your metabolic function. So your TDEE, your total daily energy expenditure is your body's complete needs for running daily life. Um, this includes your exercise activity, non-exercise activity, um, obviously your body's needs at rest, which we're going to go into first and foremost. So your basal metabolic rate is your body's needs just to keep the lights on upstairs. This is what your body needs. If you are laying in a bed, not doing anything, not even thinking, not even just laying there with your eyes closed, uh, not really living, um, that's what your body needs just to survive, you know? So, uh, typically we're going to see it being, you know, for most women somewhere in the, you know, 11 to 1400 calorie range for men, maybe it's like 14 to 1800 calories. Uh, so one note about this is that when you are looking these numbers up and you are obese, um, you will often see these numbers be much higher because of the amount of weight you have. Uh, so fat mass does also increase our basal metabolic rate, but this number can also be skewed because of obesity. So we also want to keep that into a factor. So when I'm setting somebody up that is in that category, I do know that those numbers are a little bit off. And I have a couple of different things that I work into that as well. So the main things that we can control with our basal metabolic rate that people are um, obviously looking for, this is our resting energy expenditure. It's also known as that is we can control our fat mass and our fat-free mass. Everything else we really can't control. Um, and for a lot of people, they like to blame aging as the reason why, uh, well, I'm not even going to go into that. We're going to go into that in a second. Let me, let me hold off. I want to go into that, but let's just start by breaking down the other thing. So just know that your basal metabolic rate, um, the, the two things that you can really control here is your fat mass and your fat-free mass. So the more lean mass you have uh, or the more fat mass you have is going to change how many calories you burn at rest. And then you've got your thermic effect of food. This is the amount of calories your body needs to digest the food you're taking in. Uh, if you're eating a more processed diet, obviously we're going to have less of a thermic effect because those foods are more processed. They don't require as much energy and there's not as many nutrients such as fiber and things like that, that your body has to break down. If you're eating a more minimally processed food, your thermic effect of feeding is going to go up because your body has to work to break down those things. And I always like to give the wood chopper analogy. If I'm putting, uh, 
soft sand through a wood chopper, it's just going to go right through. I'm not going to be a whole bunch of work on that thing. If I put an oak tree and big chunks of the oak tree in that wood chopper, the body's going to be, or the wood chopper is going to be breaking it down a lot slower. So uh, often we'll see when people start to increase caloric intake, if they have been under eating for a long time, they complain about being full. And often this is why their body is trying to break down food that it's not used to. So uh, what I want you to know here is that a uh, more whole food based diet is going to give you more of a thermic effect, more calorie expenditure, whereas a more processed diet is going to give you less of a thermic effect. Okay. And then you've got uh, your daily movement. And this is going to be kind of coming from two categories. You've got your non-exercise activity and you've got your exercise activity. So if you are somebody that sits behind a desk and you uh, don't move very much, you're driving in your car uh, versus you are somebody that like is a construction worker, your energy needs not based on exercise are going to be much different. So um, big factors that play a factor in, in this is just how often we're moving throughout the day and how much energy we have um, throughout our day. People don't realize how much energy plays a factor in this. And I'm going to explain that in a second as well. And then your exercise activity is what you're getting when you're actually going to the gym, how many calories you're burning in those workouts. So I think a lot of people tend to overestimate how many calories are burning in their workouts and they undervalue how much they burn uh, throughout their day as a way to really actually increase um, their actual total daily energy needs. So that's what I want you guys to understand about the four things that factor into your total daily energy expenditures. Now, when it comes to having a quote unquote broken metabolism, what I want you guys to understand is that um, if your metabolism really wasn't working, you would not likely be living. Like you would not be breaking down. You would be nutrient deficient. Your body would not be breaking down fats into fatty acids. It would not be breaking down um, these different things. However, there are different conditions that can sometimes make it hard for our body to actually utilize energy. So like things like insulin resistance and such that people start to see uh, can play a factor into how our body actually utilizes energy and can cause our body to store more energy than actually burn through it. Uh, and often when people are dealing with this, they will experience some things, but they can also be symptoms of other things as well. So I'm going to note them, but know that it could also just be symptoms of like you're not eating enough. So like low energy, a lot of bloating, um, poor sleep quality, getting you know, waking up feeling puffy, on your labs, you might see elevated levels of like um, liver levels, kidney levels, uh, and all that kinds of stuff, just showing there's some chronic inflammation going on. So, uh, but all of these things could also be symptoms of like you just not giving your body enough food or the wrong types of food. So um, what I wanted to start with, and I started to talk about it first and foremost, is that a lot of people think that age uh, has a factor in metabolism. And they're like, I can't lose weight anymore because I'm getting old or you know, since I hit 40, all of a sudden, it seems like I can't control the weight. Um, and age tends to be the biggest thing that people fall back on. And it's kind of the scapegoat because that's kind of what you believe. But what I want you to understand is that your metabolism, your metabolic rate, your metabolic rate up until the time you're 20 is typically building. It's, it's actually, you're very highly metabolic because organ development, development is still happening. Your body is, it needs a lot of calories. Your metabolism is doing a lot of things besides just maintaining. Between the ages of 20 and 40, your metabolism is pretty static. No real change in your metabolic rate at all. Now, beyond 40 years old, your metabolic rate is going to change by about 0.5 to 0.7% per year per year. Okay. So that's a very, very, very small decline in your metabolic function. Um, 
So this is usually not the reason why people are gaining weight or having a hard time losing weight post 40. It's, it's other things that are going on that are actually causing this. And that's what I'm going to kind of go into right now. So first and foremost is as we age, typically we also might see a decrease or a change in our daily activity. Um, if we had young kids and now those kids are getting older, we don't have to do as much care for the kids. We might not be moving as much there. Um, if we change jobs, now we're sitting behind a desk all day. Maybe we used to be, you know, in the restaurant world, you know, being a bartender, whatever, like we, if we see changes, so if this is you ask yourself, how did your life change when your weight started changing, right? It wasn't just your age or was the age, the correlation. Okay. So changes in life typically are going to signal a change in your metabolic rate because you're not burning as many calories in that non-exercise activity world, or maybe even your exercise activity has gone down. And we're going to talk about that in a second when I talk about hormones. Okay. Um, the other thing that tends to happen beyond 40 is that this is when we become uh, more prone to sarcopenia, which is muscle wasting. All right. So for those of you guys out there uh, that are not particularly, particularly taking place or taking part in a strength training program, more of a reason why you guys should be strength training. Okay. So we want to make sure that we're preserving our lean muscle mass and obviously working to build as much as we can, because the more we're giving our brain signals that we need muscle, the more likely we are to maintain our muscle. Reminding yourself that I mentioned before that your BMR is mostly affected by your fat-free mass and your fat mass. And that means that your body knows that muscle is expensive to maintain. And when we're not using it, we're going to lose it. Okay. So we want to make sure that we're preventing that by building lean muscle tissue and really working on that. Um, and as I'm kind of talking about age, I'm going to kind of segue into hormones because a lot of women in particular are going to be experiencing changes in hormone profile as we're entering our forties and into our late forties and early fifties. We're seeing those changes as we're going into menopause. This process is not ever meant to be miserable. And in fact, a lot of women don't realize how much lifestyle will play a factor, some of it genetics, but a lot of times it's lifestyle things that we can do to really optimize this time of our life and not feel so bad. But a lot of people don't think about those things because the symptoms happen so quickly. We don't even know when the, when the change happened that we really, we're almost having to play, uh, we're, we're not being able to be proactive. We're having to be reactive at that moment. So if you're in your thirties, like I am, you want to be thinking about really thinking about all the things you can do to preserve hormone balance as much as we can going into our forties. And if you're in your early forties, it's not too late to start dialing those things in. But a lot of people, like to blame hormones as the main reason why the weight's not moving or why they feel like they can't lose weight. And here's what I want you to understand about hormones. Okay. So your hormones are going to play a factor, obviously in a couple of things, one hunger and cravings. Okay. Leptin and ghrelin. Okay. Your hormones are not independent. They all work together. There's going to be signaling. If your hormones are in balance, oftentimes that's going to signal some cravings and things like that. If you're, you know, not sleeping, you're obviously, if you're having some issues with hormone imbalances and you're not sleeping, you're going to be getting more cravings. This often leads to an increase in calorie intake when we're not paying attention to how many calories we're taking in and we don't even notice it. Okay. The other thing that happens is when our hormones aren't balanced, even if you're in your twenties or thirties and you are maybe experiencing rough periods, um, when you're not feeling your best, you're not going to move your best your energy levels go down. So going back to that case where I'm talking about the people that are just sitting in their desk and they're not doing anything. Now you're sitting in your desk and you're slumped over and you're sluggish and you're barely moving and you're just trying to get through the day to get home. Right? So all those things are going to play a factor in your energy expenditure. So yes, 
hormones do play a factor in why you're gaining or losing weight, but it's more so because it's changing the things that you can control, like your activity level and your nutrition. Okay. So it's affecting those things. And that's what's causing the weight gain. It's not the hormones. The hormones are causing you to move less and likely eat a little bit more of the wrong things. Okay. So the last one that I wanted to talk about that people talk about that affects metabolism is the thyroid. All right. So the thyroid function, we know our thyroid function is the regulator of everything. If your thyroid's not working right, everything is tanked. All right. So, but what I want you guys to understand about the thyroid is if you truly do have hypothyroid or Hashimoto's and it is being treated with uh, some kind of a levothyroxine, armor thyroid, something like that, and your levels are in normal range, your metabolism is working optimally, just fine. There's no effect there. If you are off, the thyroid really is only going to affect metabolism by as much as 0.1 to 0.5%. So that's a little bit of a smaller, so you guys know, it maybe takes the amount of calories you're burning from 1700 to maybe 1550. So it's a very small amount. Okay. So now that I've kind of broken down all the things that are really affecting the metabolism, your energy expenditure, and hopefully that'll make sense to you guys. I'm going to pull up my Instagram post because I want to explain to you guys a little bit about what I posted. And if you missed that post, you can go back and read it, but I'm going to go over it right now with you guys. Cause I want you guys to really understand why all of these things matter. So the first thing that I talked about is what well, says how to build a bulletproof metabolism. Okay. Number one is you've got to be lifting weights. You've got to be resistance training. All right. So if you are afraid of lifting heavy, remember this lifting heavy should should be relative to how much effort it puts on you. Okay. So you don't have to lift heavy to the point of injury, but you need to be making sure that you are getting some progressive overload. All right. So if you can lift 20 pounds on the squats for like reps and you're like looking at your phone and you're chewing your gum and you're doing all these different things, like likely not taxing your body. As I mentioned, your body needs to get signals that the load being put on it is more than the load you've already had before. That's how our body gets signals to actually build muscle tissue. We're going to talk about part two of building muscle tissue in a second. But the main thing is you've got to be lifting. All right. So if you are lifting and whoops, your goal is to maintain. So like you've got a good, maybe, so my training rate age right now, I've been working out since I was about 19 consistently. Uh, I would say high level strength training since about the age of 25. So I've got about 13 years of training age under my belt. At this point, if I didn't care to get any stronger, I could probably lift three days a week to maintain and be fine. I would not likely lose my muscle mass uh, as long as I will go into part two, which is nutrition. But if you are looking to build lean muscle tissue, if you know that you've like not been giving your body that opportunity to build, you should be looking to train upwards of four to six times a week of, of building and ensuring that we're getting that progressive overload. So you're loading uh, your reps and sets should leave you with uh, one or two reps left in the tank. And if you aren't challenged, you are not changing. So even if you're doing CrossFit as a modality, guys, we lift heavy in CrossFit. Um, in your Metcons, if you're not lifting weights that are challenging you to get that hypertrophy feeling of like the burn and those last few reps are taxing you, you likely aren't lifting heavy enough, which I doubt many people are doing that in CrossFit. So we want to make sure that we're getting in uh, the right type of loading and the right type of frequency. Regardless if you're maintaining or you're um, you know, trying to build, you need to be getting that intensity in, in your lifting sessions. And the less frequent you are doing it, you need to be getting them more. The reps don't have to be ones and threes. They can be five, seven, nine, 10, 20 rep maxes, as long as you're getting that stimulus. 
Part two is you need to be eating enough. All right. So this is another problem is that I know that the goal is to create a calorie deficit when you're trying to lose body fat, but sometimes eating too little makes creating a calorie deficit very difficult because your body tends to burn less calories when you're not feeling as well as, as at your best. And if you're under eating, it also causes you to start to see that metabolism decrease. So we want to make sure that we're not spending too much time in a deficit and that we're actually balancing that out with times of uh, maintenance and maybe even sometimes a little bit of a surplus. Um, you know, restrictive diets are super, super, super hard to adhere to, which is also the problem. People will go on these low calorie uh, stunts and they last for a couple of days or weeks and then they're burned out and then they end up going back into eating too much. And it just makes it really hard. Under eating, especially under eating protein and carbohydrates also makes it very difficult for you to maintain muscle mass if you are training and if you're doing too much cardio. Okay, so two things, eating enough isn't just calories, guys. I think people focus on calories too much. Eating enough is also the types of food you're eating. So I mentioned the thermic effect of feeding, but also the nutrients you're getting, especially if we're looking to optimize hormones, whole foods, guys, we were looking at eating mostly lean proteins, complex carbohydrates, fruits, vegetables, and minimally processed fats. All right. We want to be getting mostly whole foods, lots of volume on your plate. You should be looking at your plate like, oh man, I get to eat all this food. That's how your plates should look. And it should be higher in volume, lower in calories. And then macronutrients play a huge factor in that as well. Um, ensuring you're getting the right balance, getting in enough protein, as I already mentioned, enough carbohydrates. So we're getting good support for our energy hormones and training, and also being able to just enjoy eating and not feeling like we're going to have to binge because we've been restricting so much. All right. Last piece is going to be, well, there's actually two more pieces, but this is the last important, more important piece is you got to be moving your body. All right. So if we're looking to bulletproof our metabolism and you're in that group, that's aging a little bit, and you have noticed that you're not moving as much, you're sitting a little bit more. It means you like, you need to be picking up your non-exercise activity. And that's where it kind of becomes this like blended line of like, is this actually exercise activity or non-exercise activity? And I say that because it's, it is a little bit of a fine line. I mean, when you are actually, are actually having to force yourself to move a little bit more, it actually can become intentional exercise, but it's really because you just don't move as much throughout your day. So you might be adding in a double session, but it's not a double session where you're going to kill yourself. It's like, I'm going for a 30 to 40 minute walk. And that's like exercise, quote unquote, but it's also becoming part of your daily routine. Okay. So we want to make sure we're working to keep that um, overall calorie expenditure up as much as we can. So as I mentioned, you've got two categories here, your exercise activity, we're making sure that we are lifting heavy, uh, getting some cardio in throughout the week. So you're getting out of breath and you're sweating. Uh, and the volume and intensity of these things is going to really be dependent on you, your training age, your, your tolerance and your enjoyment. So I personally like doing the high intensity stuff. So I will always put a dosage of that in on my schedule. Not everybody likes that stuff. You might be someone like, Hey, I'd rather just do some light biking or cardio, you know, like walking and things like that. I already mentioned the non-exercise activity. So just making it a point to, I, I have people track steps. Um, I think that 10 K is kind of the sweet spot. We've obviously kind of graduated from 5k, uh, because that used to be the norm, but I think we're also moving a lot less now, especially with COVID and people working from home. I think the sweet spot is mostly like eight to 12 K maybe on the weekends, you're getting a little bit more steps than if you've been, you know, running some errands with friends and going shopping and stuff like that. All right. The last piece that I mentioned, um, is, is important. And I, I'm going to, I don't want to gloss over, like it's not important, but the first three are going to matter a whole bunch more. This is going to be the icing on the cake and that's going to be your recovery. So 
Um, it's kind of like, what do I have to fix first? The sleep to fix the hormones or the hormones to fix the sleep. And I get that because I've obviously I'm experiencing some sleep issues and I know it can be a struggle. Doesn't matter what you do. It seems like it just doesn't get any better. Right. So we all have to kind of figure out where we're at here. So when we don't sleep enough, though, um, we're obviously not allowing our body to repair. That's when our growth hormone and things like that are being, um, you know, what's the word looking produced. And obviously we're able to do things hormonally that we can't do when we're actually moving and digesting and all this types of stuff. So we want to make sure that we are getting in enough sleep and recovery. The biggest sleep disruptors I find um, are nutrition deficiencies, not getting enough calories and the right types of calories, uh, caffeine intake. So relying on caffeine often because they're under eating and they're relying on caffeine for energy. Um, training volume too much or even too little can factor in that. So getting not enough exercise you want to work your body a little bit to make you tired and stress is, is really going to be a, another factor in affecting sleep. Um, also, if you possibly do have hormone imbalances that are not being addressed or treated, that could also cause some sleep disturbances. So we definitely want to make sure we're optimizing everything. So we got two ways to look at our sleep. We want to look at our quantity of our sleep. So how many hours we're getting, and then also the quality of that sleep. So I think the sweet spot for most people is going to be seven to nine hours. Um, the quality of that sleep is what matters more. So even if you are someone that's clocking in six hours, if you're getting really, really, really deep sleep, you might be getting better sleep than somebody that's getting nine hours, but their sleep is all shit. So know that optimally we want to get seven to nine hours of good quality sleep. So uh, just make sure we're looking at optimizing that as well. So that is kind of what I wanted to talk about today in terms of going over the um, metabolism menopause a little bit, didn't touch on it a whole bunch. And obviously the master's fitness collective. Um, and the reason I talk about this guys is because I want you guys to get results. I want you guys to look and feel your best. And that I know in order for you guys to do that, it, it can be, it seems overwhelming. It seems like this is so much to learn and so much to do. And, you know, I've got years and years and years of experience of doing this stuff so that you don't have to think about it. Um, you know, it is why I follow the approach that I follow. And I make sure that you guys are feeling good in the process. It's not just about, you losing weight. It's also about understanding the factors that are causing you to gain weight. So if you are interested in a free assessment, I do free assessments. Um, I did not put the link to that in the show notes and I'm not going to make Scott do that. Cause I always, I always message him after and like, Oh man, I forgot to put the link to something in the show notes, but I will put it in the comments for you guys. Um, and if you want a free assessment, you can go ahead and fill that out for me. Um, I take a look at those and we'll give you some feedback on things. And if you'd like to work with me, that's going to be the first step anyways, because I do like to make sure I'm giving you guys a little bit of a map out of what that journey might look like for you and some of your limiting factors. So uh, Monday, I'm early on the podcast schedule this week, which might mean that you get another episode maybe this week. We'll see. Uh, maybe I'll do a little recap on the Master's Fitness Collective after I do them. And uh, other than that, guys, have a great week. <laughs>